Let me um, um, get something to put my coffee mug on so it doesn't make noise. Yeah. I'm thoughtful. So- <laughs> Welcome to SVU Pod, especially heinous. I'm Gabe. I'm Tasha. We are on season three. <laughs> I, t- <laughs> I wanted to do it like in news anchor stuff where they turned the camera really hard. <laughs> yeah. I'm Gabe. I'm Tasha. <laughs> All right. We are on season three, episode 14, Counterfeit. There's these two beat cops. They're under a bridge and they're investigating like a super nice car that was abandoned. The keys are in the ignition and they're talking back and forth about why it's there and who could have left it. Maybe he broke down, walked to get help with the keys and ignition. I know they're really New York-y. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The second guy's voice, you could close your eyes and it, he was Danny DeVito. <laughs> Anybody who has any rasp in their throat at any time, I'm like, you sound like Danny DeVito from Always Sunny. <laughs> I think I just like that guy. Yeah, he's pretty great. Mm. One cop finds a naked dead woman next to a pile of trash. Okay. So Olivia comes on the scene and she's like dressed to the nines in this beautiful sparkly dress. Oh, I wanted that dress so bad. Okay. So she had like this little tuxedo jacket over it as well. And first I'm like, oh, did her date give her his jacket? And I'm like, no, it's a little, it was a little more tailored for Mm -hmm. Olivia Benson's figure. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was just cute and sparkly. It looked like she was out for New Year's. It did. It looked like a, like I was kind of like, where, where were they? (gasps) I imagined them being at a lovely Italian restaurant and she had a full cocktail. None of this half beer shit. <laughs> yeah. Full drink. It was a fancy place for sure with that dress. 100%. I mean, yeah. You don't dress up like that to go to fucking Arby's. Right. You're like, I want curly fries. Ching, 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 ching. That's her dress. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when that dude I was dating took me to Arby's for my birthday? <laughs> no. He's like, we're going to go to dinner. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> we went to fucking Arby's. God, I don't remember. My standards were low. (laughs) Benson's sparkly dress. Yeah. So Toots is like, oh, my God, nice dress. And she's like, it was a nice date. Where the fuck is Munch? Munch is sick. Okay. And I'm like, where the F is Stabes? They probably switch on and off and back and forth. But she's like, hey, I could get called in, but could you cover me tonight? Because I'm going on a date for the first time since fucking Cassidy left a year ago. Right. He's like, no, I have to fight with Kathy. (laughs) I got to stand by the computer and make sure the kids don't get (laughs) lured. It's just like three in the morning and they come down and he's just sleeping with his eyes open, standing up with a gun at his side. They're like, so (laughs) Toots tells her the victim's name is Paula Grace. Corona Warner is there and she's like, hey, nice dress. (laughs) We have to get through like five people saying nice dress. I mean, it is. It's a gorgeous she she looks amazing she's just she just looks amazing she's glowing too like yeah and her she hair exfoliated it's, yeah it's so good she looks great she just has like a tiny earring she leaves her collarbone everything like clear she's she's like got one bracelet on yeah itty bitty 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 barely there spaghetti straps i mean mm-hmm. how is that even angel one, hair pasta on the shoulder yeah gorge one, one nail clipper to that and the whole thing falls off yeah you know mm. okay corner warner says it's a rape homicide there's fluid on her thighs and a ton of pre-mortem bruising she was killed by massive head trauma there's a bloody rock but corner warner won't know for sure until the vic's in the morgue like if that was the yeah. thing that yeah. killed her yeah 
Yeah. Toots tells Benson that this area is like a lover's lane and it could have been like a romantic thing gone wrong. He pops the trunk and it's full of sopping wet LuLaRoe leggings. <laughs> what? Ew. What? <laughs> Did you watch Lula Rich? No. <laughs> oh, well, then that joke's not for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> This was a great scene for me because he pulls out this little, like, key thing mm-hmm. to unlock doors. Uh, Benson says, were you a car thief back in the day? And he puts the thing in the lock and he makes this face like, Ugh. he's prying it. And he's like, no, baby, I was a Boy Scout. I was just, I, I like rewound it like three times because it was just fucking weird. Just his face. Ugh. Nah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> the victim had tons of bottles of the shit called Rytex in boxes. It's bottles of pills. Craigan walks into the squad room and is like, hey, Olivia, nice dress. <laughs> She's like, yeah, don't even don't even get me started. So the victim's name is Paula Grace. She worked at a pharmaceutical company called Quantum. Problem is, Paula's company doesn't make the drug Rytex. But Benson found out that Rytex is a new cancer drug and a 10-week course costs about 25 grand, which made me just be like, I fucking hate everything. Yeah, I hate it here. Yeah. The supply in Paula's trunk equal to about a million buckaroos on the black market. <laughs> Maybe more. Who knows? There could be so many buckaroos. Buckaroos are specific to the black market. <laughs> so maybe she was meeting a buyer under the bridge and a random predator got to her first. Maybe the buyer shows up, sees Paula is dead, can't get the trunk open, doesn't want to take the car because it belongs to someone who's been murdered and leaves. Who knows? CSU did find her trunk key under a floor mat, so that's plausible. Craigan wants them to figure out why she didn't want anyone to find out what was in the trunk. Benson and Toots are talking to Paula's boss at Quantum. I'm immediately suspicious of this guy because of the way Mm -hmm. he says, I can't believe this happened to Paula. We're all in shock. (laughs) So this dude was Kyle Hubert in the season two episode Pixies. Then he comes back in 12 effing years to play John Capshaw in Betrayal's Climax. (laughs) It's an episode when they stop using one word episodes way in the future. Okay. Oh, he also took me on a roller coaster ride with his credits. He was in Vanilla Sky, which I fucking loved that movie, and The Happening, which may be the worst <sighs> movie I've ever seen in my fucking life. Dude. And I've seen The Room by Tommy Wiseau. Okay, I know everybody hates M. Night Shyamalan's shit in The Happening. Who? And it's M. Night Shyamalan, Shyamalan, M. Night Shyamalan. never say his name. Every time you try to say his name, you're like... A bing bong sing among uh, <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan. Really? Shyamalan. There's yeah. no Y in there? M. Night Shyamalan? No. Shyamalan. God, I, I'm so white. I'm so fucking white. I don't. I'm like, if his name's not Michael, I can't say it. It's <laughs> fucking stupid. If you're going to live here, change your name to Greg. <laughs> Greg Smith. That's my uncle's name. <laughs> it's all our uncle's name. Um. <laughs> But I love his fucking, even The Happening. I've watched it like six times. Yeah. I mean, it's terrible. It's fucking terrible. And like, oh my God. I knew when I was typing it, I'm like, Gabe's going to have to pull in a side where she talks about liking that fucking awful movie. (laughs) It was so bad though, but it was good. I mean, uh, what's his name that's in it? Uh, Fucking Marky Mark. (sighs) Oh no, run. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I was literally going to do the... Oh my god! But like when he's in the classroom and he's like, "Hey guys, what about the bees?" I'm like, "I'm in, <laughs> I'm in." 
Hey, everybody. <laughs> Say hello to your mother for me. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm strapped in. I'm on the edge of my seat. God. Ugh. Where are we? Okay, go ahead. No, sorry. Okay. I'm uh, not sorry. I mean, just go ahead. Yes. This fucking guy, this guy, Paula's boss, okay, Paula's boss at Quantum, he's telling the detectives that Paula works in research on a new drug that they're making for esophageal cancer. He mentions that another drug exists called Ritex, but he thinks Quantum's new drug will work better. It's almost ready for testing. He saw Paula last night around 8 p.m. when she was finishing up at work. It's a long drive to Manhattan, but he said that Paula likes the commute because it clears her head. Both of her parents are dead, and he never heard her talk about a partner. He always invited her to hang out with his wife and kids on holidays, but she never did. He said he took her under his wing because nurturing talent can make you billions. What a waste. I did not like that. I know. Cut to the Emmy office. Corner Warner tells Benson and Toots that the dude used a condom and the condom brand name was Rough Riders. Paula was killed by a rock that was embedded in the ground, but... It was probably an accident. The mm. fracture patterns on her skull show only one fatal blow, and it was like this upward shot. Right. So when she was fighting him off, she probably like threw her head back and hit the rock. The perp probably didn't know why she all of a sudden stopped resisting. Mm-hmm. They did find navy blue fibers under her fingernails that Coroner Warner already sent to the lab. So now we're at the lab. Another hot-ass lab tech is telling Toots and Benson that all the prints found in Paula's car belong to her. I need to stop. I have so much to say. Okay. Is, is Boston remote? gone he's gone from from now on from now on here How we go do you know? don't oh my god because i did a little research this was the nameless hot bomb squad guy okay yes! from yes! a couple seasons ago now he's csu bert trevor his name's bert trevor aka actor daniel sunjata who we've talked about at length and mm-hmm. yeah we're going to be seeing a lot more of him because Prodigy was Boston Rob's last SVU episode. Farewell, sweet prince. But I don't want to start a conspiracy here, okay? But legit real life Boston Rob's first season of Survivor aired in 2002. Just saying. So he probably left to go do that. Yeah, he left to go to Survivor. And wait, it's was good. He, he really built a strong career on it. Was he an actor? Or, or wait, no, is he... Who was he? They're not the same. They're not the same guy. It's not the same guy. I just think he looks like him. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. No, I was just putting together a little conspiracy because Boston Rob's first season of Survivor was 2002. This was 2002. All of a sudden, this other lab tech guy's gone and then we're like, you know what? He was so good. How do we up the ante? Call in the hot bomb squad guy. He got a promotion. So wait, Boston Rob wasn't actually on Survivor? No, Boston Rob was on Survivor. There's okay, a who guy, was he in Survivor? There's a guy on Survivor named Boston Rob. When we were first introduced to the lab tech guy, I started calling him Boston Rob because I thought he looked slash talked like him. Okay, but he wasn't actually on Survivor. No, the actor who portrayed the lab guy was not on Survivor. Thank you. <laughs> Okay. I did never watch Survivor, so I have no none of that. I didn't know that's why he calls him Boston Rob. I just thought because oh. his accent and okay, new hot guy. He's talking about how his kid left some erector set shit behind in the lab, and Toots says that his kid used to like these erector sets. And Olivia kind of looks at him like, I didn't know that you had a kid but whatever. The new lab guy used his son's set to make a model of the crime scene. There was another set of worn tracks behind Paula's car. He also tested the Ritex that was found in her trunk, and it's fake. Apparently, fake drugs is like a booming business. Which sucks so bad because it's a cancer treatment drug. 
I know. I hate it. Toots and Olivia are now at Paula's apartment, and I haven't seen Stabler much at all. I don't mm-hmm. think it, we saw him at all. Not yet, no. Yeah. And I've never just seen, like, Benny and Toots do an episode together. I like it. Yeah. I like when they, like, pair them up differently, do a little mix-up, do a little, um, a little do-si-do. What is that fucking, when we all had to do square hey. dancing in school? Hey. When you switch partners. Hey, I don't know. Why would I remember what that's called? I always had to wear the orange vest and be a boy. (laughs) Remember, they'd like pair you up. And there was, in my class, there was always more girls than boys. And it'd be like, all right, you have to wear an orange vest. And that means you're a boy and you have to date, you know. Yeah, you have to start with your right foot instead of your left or whatever. Why, Why the fuck were we taught that? that? Why were we taught that? I would, we just said like the same thing. <laughs> who knows? I was, you know, in school they won't teach you how to balance a checkbook, but I know how to do si yeah. <laughs> Tie a ribbon around the old oak tree. Like, I don't need to know how to do that. I didn't need to go curling for gym class. We are in Wisconsin, in case anybody was wondering. Tie a yellow ribbon around, around the, the old oak, oak tree. tree. I love that song, actually. Boo, boo. Uh-huh. It's been three long. It's about this. Okay, so you love guy. you love that song, the movie, The Happening. <laughs> well, no, the song is what all other about a guy. awesome things are you into? It's all about a guy. Maybe he was he was probably in the army, not in prison. Like I tell myself, and he's coming back, and he's like tells this chick tie a ribbon around the old oak tree, and that will tell me if you still want to be with me. And then he comes back into town, and there's a hundred yellow ribbons around the old oak tree. It was like I just cute. go to her house and talk to her in person. God, I fucking hate everything. Also, remember that. Um, um, I couldn't watch TV <laughs> so or listen to stuff. So I'm like fucking 10, like die a yellow. <laughs> the song needs more only- bass. <laughs> exposure yeah yeah same i'm like remember heidi you guys that we all watched four thousand times <laughs> gabe does yep <laughs> okay okay so these guys are at paula's apartment toots and benny paula's got a gorgeous apartment p.s mm-hmm. very expensive looking toot says i wonder how many cancer patients had to die to get these views jesus no the landlord or super or person in charge of the building comes in and says paula was really nice uh, i never really noticed any dudes with her then he also says that paula didn't look like she had dudes knocking down her door yeah and this fucking guy i was i was like mm. i'm gonna go i'm gonna fucking body shame this guy then i was like no but like you're not brad pitt dude okay right, right. you she know looked like, like she had guys knocking down her door and it's like okay okay woven belt or guy or whatever i don't know he right. had his like hands on his hips i love the way he leaves a room i'll tell you that much we haven't gotten there <laughs> yes <laughs> but take the damp kleenexes from under your pits and stop talking <laughs> shit about a woman's looks okay yeah this guy asks how long it was going to take because prospective tenants were coming to tour the place mm-hmm. and benny and toots are like um okay so she's been dead for less than a day you fucking dick he's like calm down you guys she was already planning on moving out this was already scheduled i'm not that big of an asshole she was ugly yeah. <laughs> Well, there's stuff laying around everywhere because she was moving. So they start going through her things. She's got a ton of designer clothes, Mm -hmm. Gucci, Fendi, Prada, Chanel, Louis Vuitton, fucking Chanel. A lot of it was a little too pricey for a lab tech like Paula. Like one article of clothing from fucking Gucci socks are like 200, Mm -hmm. $300. And she's got full blown dresses, outfits, thousands of dollars. Okay. Fucking toot says to Benny living above her means you ladies are all like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> Betsy just brushes it off. 
Like, how did women get this fucking reputation? Because we don't get paid as much as men. Like, we no. couldn't even get our own credit cards till 75. Like, where is this coming from? I can open my own bank account now. I don't need you. In my mind, Toots is like, I don't know how to say that I miss Munch because I'm a man and I'm not allowed to express my feelings. So I'm going to recreate his presence by saying stupid misogynistic shit. Right. And having and having Munch be like, yeah, <laughs> that was good. He calls him after work and he's like, hey, how are you feeling, buddy? Anyway, I said this to Benson today. <laughs> yeah, Munch, Munch is, is like, like oh. <laughs> I have ex-wives. <laughs> Laughter is soul therapy. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Just kidding. I didn't say that. I'm going to go drink 40 beers. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> So Benson asked the guy for a copy of the lease, but he doesn't think she had one because she knew the property owners, Mr. and Mrs. Regolia. <gasps> That's the guy from the lab. Yeah. Mm, her boss. Her boss. This mm-hmm. dude has seen Mr. Regolia around a bunch measuring for the renovations. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then this this fucking guy, the super guy, like he had his little hands on his hips and he does this cute spin move out of the room. And yeah. that made me love him for a second. Because he was like, yeah, they're for the renovations. But he was like, mm-hmm. It's that little move where you turn your body and start walking away and your head is lagging on the turn motion by like a second and a half. So it tilts and drags and looks really sassy walking away. <laughs> yeah. I was. <laughs> was that a good enough verbal description? It, it was. The it cutest. was. It was perfect. And it was also <laughs> kind of like, like, it's the kind of look that you give somebody when you're like, ah, they're fucking. <laughs> Cut to Regolia's house. Benson and Toots are talking to Mrs. Regolia. She totally reminds me of Dharma from Dharma and Greg, right? Yes. Like her short Mm -hmm. bleached hair, kind of pixie. Flowy top. Yeah. Yeah. She feels really bad about what happened to Paula. She also says that she came to Thanksgiving Christmas the past two years, which is weird because her husband said that she never came. Mm -hmm. Whatever. He's just trying to throw everybody off. So this apartment was fucking $7,500 a month, which I'm curious what that is now. Ooh, keep talking. I'll Google it. Yeah. And that's a lot for a researcher. She's just a fucking researcher, Paula. But Mrs. Regolia's husband, Kevin, said that Paula had family money that she thinks maybe she burned through. So she says Paula told Kevin that she wanted to move closer to the office. It was much cheaper here where they live than in the city and she would have enough to buy a car. And Toots is like, doesn't she already have a car? $7,500 today would be about $11,530.95. Oh, my God. She she did leave her car under the fucking bridge. So this is all confusing. Mm -hmm. All the pills were in the trunk and the long drives to and from work were calming. And Mrs. Regolia is like, um, no, she told me she hated taking the train. This lady doesn't know shit about what's going on. So, yeah, Mrs. Regolia thought that Paula didn't even have a car. Mm -hmm. She is in the dark. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Dharma. Toots, Benny, and Craig's are at the precinct doing a walk and talk. Benson checked Paula's financials, and she never paid the Regolias any money for rent or the car that she leased. Regolia co-signed and made all of the payments. Oh, Craig mm-hmm. thinks that he and Paula were having an affair, and he got jealous because she was going to leave or something. Toots goes, Regolia's wife is a knockout. Why cheat on her for someone who looks like Paula? Wow. Because <laughs> that's not what cheating's about. Toots, firstly, okay. Uh huh. But also, I just hate your input right now. Maybe she's really funny, you know? Maybe she's really funny. She probably <laughs> is. Also, like, fuck you. Why why does a guy that looks like that get to say that? Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, who the fuck do you think you are? All of you, men. 
Mm. Toots, Benny, and Craigs walk into the squad room and they see Munch on crutches. Toots is like, oh, what happened to you? He's so pumped. He's like, I can't wait to hear about this. And Munch is like, uh, I fell too hard skydiving. Stabes walks by. Hi, Stabes. And goes, says he wiped out riding his friend's Harley. And Craigan's like, the only thing he'll be riding from now on is a desk. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Dad. Daddy Craig. Craig and goes, you're going <laughs> to sit down at a desk and go through cell phone records. I was going to make you do that anyway. He always makes him do that shit. Mm-hmm. Stabler has a few more days of testimony in a trial. That's why he's not in this episode very much. We just want to see Toots and Benny get together. Mm-hmm. He did do a background check on Paula, though. She has big degrees in pharmacy and biochemistry stuff. Why the fake drugs? Craig and goes, industrial espionage? Munch says the last two phone calls were to Regolia and the FBI. That was the quickest background check ever. I thought Munch was going to come in later and be like, hey, they they got back to me. Not not 20 seconds. I don't even think it was 20 seconds. Doesn't matter. Phone work. So much. Do better. So what? Her last two calls were to Regolia and then the FBI. She's a whistleblower on her company because they're selling the fake Rytex to doctors, knowing that when the drug fails, people will be looking for an alternative. And remember, they are just about to start testing their own better product. Holy conspiracy theories, Detective Munch. Mm -hmm. The company wasn't thinking that Paula would go to the feds with a shit ton of the fake product as evidence. This gives Regolia plenty of motive. Bring him in. Mm -hmm. Bring him in. Toots and Benson take Regolia into a room to be interviewed. He thinks he's just there to help, so they get right to business. Benson's like, hey, does your wife know that you paid for Paula's apartment and car? And he is pissed because he's like, you talk to my wife behind my back? Like, they're supposed to get his permission to talk to his wife that he owns. Mm-hmm. He says he doesn't know anything about the fake Rytex in Paula's car. Toots and Benson lay into him, saying your company was taking a dive and you were 18 months behind on your new drug. You found out she was going to the feds with a ton of your fake Rytex. You didn't want it to ruin your plan of making Rytex look bad and then raking in the dough when your drug came out. And he's like, what? She was going to the feds? I didn't know that. She wanted me to leave my wife. And I was like, no. And then she called me later and said she was going to make me sorry. That wording struck me really odd. Yeah. I did not kill her. And that's all I'm saying until I see my lawyer. Mm -hmm. Daddy Cragen pops in and wants to talk to Benny and Toots. Craigan tells them that they're handing Regola off to the FBI. Paulo just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. They found another victim with the same MO in the same area, but she's alive. Holy shit. Oh we my God. bounce around so many suspects this episode. I know. I know. I wasn't even expecting it. I was so on board with someone that we'll get to at one point and didn't realize how wrong I was. Mm-hmm. All right. Betty and Toots are now at the crime scene. They're told that the victim called 911 on her cell phone. They walk up to a woman in a stretcher. She's super frazzled and beat up, obviously. Mm-hmm. Her name is Francesca Jesner. I deep dove on her. Her name's Christine Haji, I think you, is how you pronounce it. She was in the super popular late 80s, early 90s show, Head of the Class. I don't mm. remember anything about that show except I was too young for it and I liked it. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just remember being like, that's a cool show. She's won an Emmy and she does a ton of humanitarian work. So oh. IRL Francesca Jesner is incredible. Oh, Hmm. So she tells Benson that the perp made her get out of her car. She thought he was going to kill her. She says he was wearing a blue uniform and he was a cop. OMG, the blue fibers from under Paula's nails. 
Mm-hmm. And the music during this whole thing is like, chung, 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 chung. Yeah. <laughs> now we're at the hospital. Francesca is telling Benson and Toots the story. She was at a friend's party at Lucio's restaurant. On her way home, she was pulled over by a cop. When he got to her window, he had the light shining in her eyes, so she didn't really get a good look at him. He told her she was weaving and made her get out of the car, and she takes a breathalyzer, but she says she hadn't been drinking. He tells her that if she has sex with him, he wouldn't arrest her. And this is why I hate being asked to get out of the car by cops. She refused. (laughs) And he got mad, so she pretended to pass out. He fucking dragged her and said he knew she was faking it and that he was going to kill her. And he raped her. His car was dark, unmarked, and had a red light on the dashboard. She says he used a condom and kept the wrapper. And she was like, I thought that was so weird. Then she starts panicking and she says, oh my God, he has my driver's license. He knows where I live, Mm -hmm. which is terrifying. Yeah. In the hospital hallway, Benson and Toots are going over all of this. The rape kit came back clean. Also, her blood alcohol content was 0.12. Toots immediately thinks she's lying about the rape to get out of a DUI because, you know, because she lied about being drunk. And I am screaming, fuck you, Toots, watching this. You can't just automatically acute, like, it just, those are two different tomatoes. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-mm, no. Yeah, Toots is getting real, like, testy about the possibility of it being a cop. Is he really this big of a piece of shit and we just didn't notice because Munch is always around? No, the no. answer is no, he's not. Uh, yeah, he's he's not. just another one of the guys. Yeah. They all have flaws, everybody. Mm-hmm. Even Benson and her perfect collarbones. Ugh. Toots and Benson walk into Craigan's office. Turns out Francesca has two prior DWIs, and the last time she was charged with resisting because she got all crabby at the cop. <laughs> Craigan's like, well, looks like she figured out how to get out of another DUI. Benson believes her, though. Mm-hmm. She doesn't think that Francesca could have faked that trauma. Right. Especially because Francesca didn't know about Paula's attack, and those cases have so much in common. Mm-hmm. Toots thinks that Francesca saw Paula's story in the news and faked it. And then Benson and Toots get into it. They get just, they're just getting louder and louder. Toots doesn't want to send, quote, the rat squad on a witch hunt. Stabler's been working on the whole start at a normal volume and get louder until your <laughs> neck veins bulge out with Olivia <laughs> Because she responds, me either, but this woman is a rape victim until we prove otherwise. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Craigan kind of jumps in and breaks it up. So Benson tells him that Francesca had just gotten her license back and was one moving violation from losing it altogether. And Toots is like, that's motive to lie. And Benson's like, fuck you. Craigan jumps in again and says he'll have Munch pull all citations and radio runs from that precinct. He sends Toots and Benson to check out the Francesca story and... Don't tell anybody anything. At Lucio's restaurant, the bartender is telling Toots and Benson (laughs) that the party was huge. Some hip artist rented out the whole bar. And even though there were 300 people at this fucking party, he remembered Francesca because she was at the bar drinking a ton. She was all over some guy and he walked her out. Blonde, tall, every woman's dream. No thanks, but okay. (laughs) The tall part, yeah. At Francesca's work, Toots and Munch are talking to her about leaving with the guy that the bartender told them about. And she insists that she didn't. She goes, I say a cop raped me and you stick up for your own. Awesome. Benson tells her she knows that she lied about being drunk. Benson wants to believe her, but Francesca's not making it easy. And Francesca, rightly so, says she didn't mention the drinking because she was afraid they would think she made up the rape. Yeah, Yeah. I hate this. Yeah. She doesn't want the guy she left with involved because he's married. And I'm like, hard gasp, OMG, I forgot his name, but is it that one guy? Ricola. You know, what was his name? Oh, Rigolia or whatever. <laughs> Rigolia, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I pictured the guy on the mountain with the big, like, horn thing. Yeah. It's like he's like, 
Cough drops are ready. <laughs> Whatever that. Yeah, that was. For. Yeah. Come again. <laughs> Toots steps away to answer a phone call. And Francesca says that she and the dude parked and had sex. Then he caught a cab and she started to drive home. And that's when she got pulled over. Mm-hmm. Toots tells Benson CSU wants them back at the crime scene. Craig and wants them back places a lot in this episode. Yeah. Where'd you go? We, we went to the place that you told us to go. Well, get over here now. <laughs> yeah. So they hop to it. They get back over to the crime scene. The new lab guy, our hottie patati, wants them to take him through what Francesca said happened. So they all squat down together. Mm-hmm. The lab dude shows them that he found the mm. marks where the perp dragged Francesca. The prints matched the shoes she was wearing. They even found gravel inside of her shoes that matched the area. The perp's shoe prints and tire tracks also match from Paula's crime scene. Our lab guy, we should give him a name. Bomb Squad. Okay. Bomb Squad lab guy thinks that the perp is around six feet and 200 pounds. He asks Toots if they have any cops on their list. Toots almost falls back on his ass because he's squatting, uh-huh. you know? What makes you think that? Our Chippendales lab dude. Oh, I guess I did already try to give, <laughs> give him a different name. <laughs> he's got a little bow tie and just the wrist, r- the wrist cuffs. The wrist whatever. cuffs thing. Chris Farley comes out in the same outfit and he's like, are we doing this yet? No? He's like, okay. my shirt fell off, but not the cuffs the, and the bow tie. That's it. <laughs> My shirt's invisible, but just just the whole thing besides the... It's like one of those Oxford shirts that has the white collar and the white cuffs, but then the rest of the shirt's blue, except the rest of the shirt is just a hot bod painted on it. <laughs> we should make that for a shirt. It probably is a shirt. I'm sure it's it a... It is a shirt, yeah. You can order it and get it in three weeks because it's coming straight from a LuLaRoe factory in China. <laughs> LuLaRoe! LuLaRich! The lab guy says that the blue fibers found are consistent with NYPD issued uniform pants. Mm. Boom! And Toots is like, um, uh, anybody. He's really grinding my gears this episode. Back at the squad room, Munch says there were no traffic stops or checkpoints near the areas either night. There was only one car not accounted for both nights, an unmarked anti-crime car. Isn't that what a cop car is, though? An anti-crime car? Yeah. What's my car, then? What what do I call it? Just the possibility of crime car. (laughs) Attempted crime car, possibly. (laughs) Maybe crime's happening, car. 49 minutes MIA at the time of Paul's rape homicide and 36 last night during Francesca's rape. The name of the cops attached to the car are Al Marcosi and Roger Graves. Francesca said that the perp was white and Graves is black, so Graves is off the hook. For the first time ever. Unless he knew what his partner was up to. Oh, back on the hook. Mm-hmm. We'll figure out a way to get this black guy in trouble. Right. Phil Erzy is the lieutenant down there and works midnights. He's also Benson's old boss, so she wants a chance to run down there and finesse him for info before Cragen calls IAB. Because IAB, mm-hmm. you know, looks... Internal affairs. Yeah. Bureau. Guys. People. Benson and Officers. Toots meet... <laughs> Benson, <laughs> Benson and Toots meet Erzy at Dave's Coffee Shop. First of all, I fucking love this guy. He yeah. looks kind of like James Spader a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Who I also love. Have you seen The Secretary? No. Oh my God. Well, that was actually a joke because never mind. Oh. But um, <laughs> I thought it was a genuine. I was like, oh. Because no. I feel like I've, it's not you. It's. <laughs> I always say that to you and he gets mad. And I, so oh, I say it to right. him. Yes, every you time. have told me that. Yeah. Have you seen Suits? It was during yeah. that conversation. You need to watch The Secretary, actually. It's super good. I know you You have. Yep. Okay. It's all coming back. You've told me that before. Benson and Toots ask 
Erzy about crime in the area and are kind of dancing around to not blame anyone for anything. Toots tells him that there's two cops they can't account for, and he immediately says, Marcosi and Graves. Benson's like, how did you know? He says that they're his problem children. Two gold shield wannabes, but they never play by the rules. Yeah. Is that what's on the movie poster? <laughs> He doesn't really give them shit, though, because they're always pulling big collars like guns, drugs, fucking blah, blah, blah. Benson asks if he minds if they talk to them. Benson asks Erzy if he minds if they talk to him. Not to bust chops, just to ask if they saw anything and can help. Erzy doesn't give a shit. But, says Mercosi probably will and he'll be a dick. Mm -hmm. So, great. When he said that, I was like, I already have a picture of this guy in my mind. And then the guy showed up and I was like, yeah. Benson and Toots walk up to Mercosi and Graves on the car lot just as they're about to start their shift. Mercosi looks like a turtle that got scared, but his head won't fit into his shell but he keeps trying. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I love you so much. I love you too. That was amazing. Thank you. Benson asked them if they saw anything. I can't get over that. Benson asked them if they saw anything the night of the two attacks. Usually they check that area, but both times they weren't there. They've been looking for the car from the bulletin ever since. Toots kind of cuts off Olivia and asks if they will contact them if they have anything. And they're like, yeah, sure, and walk off. Benson's kind of pissed, and she tells Toots he was being a bitch and not asking them questions. Yep. He's like, I, I, he, they didn't fucking do this. I'm not going after, like, two good cops. And uh, and then he says, whose side are you on anyways? And she says, the victim, where we're fucking supposed to be. And she's like, yeah. And she's like, you blew it. They had their chance to talk to them. Now it's IAB's call. And he was like, hmm, and just, like, followed behind her. I did not like that at all. Craigan's mm-hmm. now in the IAB office, and the dude is pissed at Craigan, saying this that... This guy's kind of hot, by the way. Like, in a daddy way. I don't remember. Oh, mm-hmm, yes. Yeah. Agreed. In, like, a military dad kind of way. Yeah, you're like... It's like I your friend's think- dad comes back from a tour, and you're like, hey. <laughs> you're like, whoa, <laughs> um, I sometimes do bad stuff. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to uh, check out my internal affairs. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I love you. With your you. dick. Yeah. I mean, put your dick inside of me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Did you, oh, uh, did you just say, now I love you? <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Yeah. But then you said the gross dick part, so I yeah. didn't finish. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I get it. So this Check guy's stuff. pissed off at Craig and saying that Toots and Benson went against policy by talking to the cops before talking to IAB. He says, you spoke to a target without us. <laughs> you of all people should know better, Captain. Craig steps up and then rocks back and forth like he's planting some anger roots under his feet and says, yeah. wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You knew about Marcosi before we called you? Did you see that? How he was like, yeah. he gets in front of him and does like a. And he like kind of opens up his like trench coat and was like, whoa. Yeah. Hard stance planted in there i love the like anger he's a, roots <laughs> yeah like he's about to uh like he's at the i don't know enough about football but where he's at the lineup where he like gets his feet down and he's about to do the lean forward thing what is that yeah. called you know the where line, they're standing like a little tripod the linebacking thing is that i don't know sports apparently apparently marcosi had <laughs> i can't <laughs> Marcosi had been under investigation for six months because he had sex with a sex worker. Mm. They wanted to nail him and talk to the sex worker, but she's been missing ever since. <gasps> Collective Whoa. gasp. Mm-hmm. Munch hobbles into the squad room. 
See, at this point, I was like, did Richard Belzer have some sort of ankle surgery or something? Yeah. And they're like, um, we're not going to talk about it, but we're just going to let you have your crushes and come into work. Right. Toots is giving Munch shit because he wants to know what actually happened to Munch, but M- Munch isn't saying anything to Toots because Toots never told Munch he had a son. Toots shoots Olivia a shitty look for telling Munch he has a kid. He's like, Ugh. My son's 18. Did Olivia tell you that? And she's like, Mm -hmm. what? Oh, I didn't know it was a thing. Uh." Also, Munch came at that really quick. Like, he clearly had that holstered. He has been holding onto that with Toots. Yeah. Yeah, Like, oh, I'm just going to wait for the perfect opportunity, and I'm going to throw that at him. That is some junior high shit. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, you didn't tell me about your son, so deflect. Craigan comes in and asks Munch what he found. The sex worker's name is Raquel Stevens, but there's no missing persons report. IAB was given the anonymous tip about Marcosi, and that's why he's been under investigation. This Raquel lady almost always is hanging with another sex worker named Mandy, and she was with her the night of the, quote, alleged incident. Because we doubt victims here. Mm-hmm. Toots and Olivia are on the street talking to Mandy, and I fucking love her. I love her jacket, too, by the way. Oh, I love her street-style Karen haircut. Mm-hmm. She's a good actress, too. She lets it blow in her face the entire time. Mm-hmm. She's like hard bangs in her face, and she's like, I don't care. I'm angry and I don't want to be talking to the police. Yeah. And she's like, I know you guys all stick together. Benson tells her that Marcosi is no friend of theirs. Shitty cops make them all look bad. Mandy gives in pretty easily after that. I thought that was weird. She just, I don't know. She's like, okay, cool. Yeah. And considering everything that she tells us after that, I'm like, I can't believe you folded so quick. But I mean, she's missing her friend. Like her friend is. That's why I'm surprised she's like gave in to talking to the cops. Yeah. So Raquel and Mandy used to live together. And Raquel disappeared the night they both got busted. So her and Raquel were cuffed to a bench in the precinct and Raquel bummed a smoke off Marcosi. He took her into a break room to smoke it. And then Marcosi told Raquel that if she gave him a freebie, he'd drop her charge. So she did it right there in the break room. Mm -hmm. Although Marcosi didn't offer Mandy the deal, which sucks. Benson goes, (laughs) Marcosi offer you the same deal? And she goes, no, but he had a real woody for Raquel. Yeah. She said that. I was like, (laughs) ew. (laughs) He called Raquel the next day for a date and everything. Mm-hmm. When Mandy left for the weekend, Raquel had plans with Marcosi. Uh, that was the last time she'd seen her. About six months prior, someone from IAB talked to Mandy, but she played dumb because she didn't want to go missing too. Benson hands her a card and tells her if she thinks of anything else, let her know. And then she's like, pretty convincing toots, huh? And then he says, not on the word of some hooker. Mm-hmm. You're like, Jesus. So then Toots goes on to explain his doubt. The blue fibers could have come from any of the thousands of cops around here. And Benson goes, but the tire tracks couldn't because duh. Yeah. His argument of defensiveness is so stupid. He's not even thinking of the other super relevant evidence. Mm-hmm. It just made me so. And also, if they came from another one of the 40,000 police officers, it's still a police officer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now we're at some forensics auto lab, like cars are up on those jack things so that you can get underneath them. I know about football and I know about mechanics. Marcosi and his partner had the tires replaced and the undercarriage washed. What the fuck? Luckily, our hottie patat lab guy... Bomb squad. Bomb squad saved some gravel from the wheel wells. It's the same gravel from Francesca's shoes. This guy comes up and hands him a note from Craig and telling them to get back to the squad room. <laughs> I know, Jesus. <laughs> I also, I love that there are so many costumes for the lab guys. Science lab, 
white lab coat out in the field, blue windbreaker. Now this auto forensics lab place, he's in full full mechanic coveralls that he has super unbuttoned on top, which, hi there. Hi. Uh, (laughs) We're getting to the point where we can have a full forensics calendar photo shoot. Oh my God. I can't wait for the next thing. I want to see the forensics team like at a a pool collecting evidence. They're all in matching NYPD Speedos or whatever. (laughs) And swim caps, like little (laughs) nose plug things. Now in Cragen's office, the IAB guy's pissed that the newspapers are writing about a rapist cop. This dude is never not pissed. He's, I mean, that's his job, right? Yeah. He's like always surprised that cops are in trouble doing dirty shit. It's like, that's literally your job to investigate that. Yeah. (laughs) He hopes that it didn't leak from the SVU. Cragen says that no one wants the media shitting on their job, so he doesn't know who it could be. Yeah, I was guessing like Toots ran his fucking dumb mouth because he loves cops so much or something. Didn't he get in trouble before for saying something to the media? Yeah, I remember when he was like, hey, why are you guys mad at the cops? Mm -hmm. Be mad at the fucking media that they're not in your neighborhood if it was a white guy it'd be they you know yeah. and it was true yeah. and then craig got in trouble for that too so he was probably on craig's radar just as much as he was on yours yeah, yeah but he's fucking spanked craig in that one time though remember because mm-hmm. that was when well, yeah should've. but craig was speaking out of turn though about the exactly. experience of people of color that's so what I'm that's saying. not I wasn't saying spank. I meant more like he owned him. Like he was like, yeah, like boom. What do you got? There are only a few times when the detectives are really able to talk back to Craig in, and it's that one, was... I think you know, from, from a perspective, that's not his. So Toots mm-hmm. gets that perspective. Benson gets the female perspective. That's it. That's it. Stabler and Munch can fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> what was Stabler? I'm a dad. He'd be like, everybody's a dad. Shut up. <laughs> I'm a white guy. Yeah. Craig's like, I'm your dad. <laughs> He's like, what? So these cops need to get into Marcosi's. (laughs) Sorry. Go. (laughs) These cops need to get into Marcosi's locker ASAP before the paper gets out and Marcosi has time to clean up more evidence. Cragen tells Cabot to put a spin on it to the DA to make it look like they're trying to clear Marcosi so they can get a warrant. Did you notice, too, he was, like, yelling? Because Cabot was like, oh, I'm going to need a little more than whatever to get a warrant. And he was like, well, then put a spin on it. And she was like, okay. Did you hear her say okay and, like, walk off? <laughs> I was wondering if she, is this her last season as the DA, uh, or no? Cabot? Yeah. No. Oh, okay. I was wondering if they were, like, kind of winding her down because she's getting more and more frustrated with dealing with SVU and their bullshit the last few episodes. Next season is her last season. Okay. Because she plays Cabot from 2000 to 2003. Okay. All right. Now we're in the locker room. All the dudes in the locker room are giving Benson Toots and the IAB guy shit for looking through his locker. They're like, I smell a rat. (laughs) And then I'm mad because it's like, whatever. So they get in. Marcosi has sexy pics of ladies and shit. Big deal. They bake all his shit and find a box of Rough Rider condoms. Ew. Mm -hmm. Marcosi shows up pissed and he's like, hey, you guys. He just, I don't it's know. private property. Yeah. Hey, God. What? What is this? They give him a warrant. With his little turtle head just like yeah. fighting his collar really hard. <laughs> they give him a warrant and Benson's like, get your fucking union delegate and meet us at the SVU. And he's like, I don't need my union delegate. I don't have anything to hide. He's got like, again, not for you, but he's got Ramona from Housewives Crazy Eyes where you can see the whites around them. All the he's way like, around. I don't know. I don't know, then they hide. Right. Cut to the interrogation room. He can't believe that they would think he did this. They tell him all about the evidence, his car, his description, how he was the only one not accounted for that night. He's like, yeah, but still. Yeah, he's like, I bring in more callers than anyone. You can't talk to me. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I like wrote that out. Blah, 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 blah. blah. <laughs> he totally like he's is drowning. <laughs> 
He's drowning in his own bullshit. Uh, his bathtub flooded in his shell and he can't breathe. <laughs> like the shell is the inside of his little house. Is yeah. that what you pictured? Like in a cartoon? Yeah. And there's I like was a little... picturing a terrarium. So he's in the little water portion of his terrarium. You know, the cool whip container that's been cleaned out and filled with water. <laughs> And he's like, I bring in more collars than anyone. In my mind, he had had like a little bathroom inside the shell. And then in the bathroom was a bathtub that was overflowing. For sure. Everywhere. Into the living room, kitchen, family room, den. You know, that's all guts. It's all guts. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) So... It's his body. So he admits to dating sex workers and is like, yeah, I get a little bit on the side, but I don't pay for it. That's not a crime. Actually. <laughs> yeah. When you're fucking somebody who's in custody at the precinct. Yeah. Yeah. That's not like that's mm-hmm. no way to make detective. Yeah. Officer. Craigan's fucking beaver goes off and it's like six, nine, six, nine. So he's got to take off. I thought you said his beaver went off. <laughs> did you hear me? Did you say beaver? No. Did I? Six, nine, six, nine. Oh, you did hear me. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was stuck on Beaver and it took me a minute to get to that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. He tells <laughs> He tells Marcosi that IAB has been investigating him for Raquel going missing and then Craig leaves the room. Marcosi's like, I have no idea what's going on. He says that she went to an alcohol rehab upstate. And then here's where I'm like, I don't think it's this guy. I think he mm-hmm. sucks, but I don't think it's this guy. Right. He seemed genuinely surprised. Yeah. He's like, I moment. didn't rape or kill anybody. I break the rules a little, but that's it. I get results. I'm no nonsense. Yeah. Toots tells him that if he doesn't start talking, he's going to go down for rape. I play by my own rules. <laughs> Yeah. If he doesn't start talking, he's going to go down for rape homicide. And he was like, if you didn't do this, you'll get like five days on a fucking desk. Like, big deal. Because that's what they do. They let him fucking still be cops. But whatever. (sighs) Marcosi starts talking. He says he was down there the night of the murder with a date in his car. This is when the music really gets intense. Mm -hmm. His partner was looking out for him when they saw their boss's car, Mm -hmm. Lieutenant Erzy, come driving towards them. His partner and him got out of there with no lights on before Erzy caught them. The gal wasn't even a sex worker. It was some citizen who picked him up. He's like, I don't even know her name. Toots is like, hmm, and leaves the room. In the hallway, they tell Craig and what Marcosi said, but Craig and tells them that they have another victim. Benson's like, oh my God, Marcosi's been with us for hours, so it can't be him, but it could still be him. It's six weeks old. Oh my God. This person came forward now because she was afraid to accuse a cop. And then when she saw it on the news, she was like, I'm doing it. Craig and sends Toots to IAB because he wants to know everything that they have. Craig is just like in go mode right now. Mm-hmm. He's calling in Wong. He wants Olivia and him to go talk to the victim who is interrogation at the moment. And the music has been all intense for like a minute now and i'm like getting really excited and i'm screaming oh my god it's benson's old boss and now she's gonna be blinded because of her personal relationship it's Mm -hmm. lieutenant erzy oh my god Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i thought i had it wrapped up i was gonna stop watching me too Mm -hmm. i was gonna throw my computer across the room because i was done with it (laughs) (laughs) tasha you're like (laughs) (laughs) i I like that one it's like like an evil hamster (laughs) Now in the interrogation room. Is it the turtle's pet hamster? They're best friends. Oh my God, it would be like the tiniest (laughs) hamster that fit in the... He had his own little terrarium. And he was watching a show about a guy that was a turtle and then it goes even smaller. (laughs) How does he even get Wi-Fi for that tiny little TV? (laughs) A little baby Roku box? Here we are in the... Oh my God, it's like a little speck of pepper. Okay. In the interrogation. 
reception room. We're with the victim now. Her name is Stacia. She's telling Benson and Huang her story of that night from six months ago. Mm. She said she took a shortcut off the West Side Highway and was stopped. The cop made her get out of the car and take off her clothes. She was terrified. She kept staring at his gun and it kept her zoned out. Yeah. And then she's sitting there blaming herself for not fighting, which is no. Benson's telling her she had no choice in this and it's not her fault at all. She made the right decision for her because she just was intent on surviving and she did. Mm-hmm. She's so supportive. God, I, know, I love I, her. Huang asked Stacia if the perp had any sexual difficulties during the rape. She said that he did, and his reaction to not being able to perform was slapping her across the face so hard it made her cry out and then he was able to finish benson pulls out a photo array and stacia looks at it and then kind of sighs because it was so dark that night she couldn't see his face so she wouldn't be able to pull him from a lineup yeah toots then walks into craigan's office craigan turns away from the two-way glass where he'd been watching the stacia interview they're in his own little terrarium craigan was eating a giant (laughs) he was eating a giant lettuce leaf (laughs) Don't. His desk was made out of a roll of toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) It stinks in there. (laughs) Fucking reeks. There's snails all over the walls. (laughs) So Toots told Craigan that he had called IAB. Marcosi's partner isn't talking and Marcosi wasn't working the day Stacia was raped. Huang walks in and says that the badge, uniform, and gun all boost the perp's sense of power. He probably became a cop to have that masculinity and control. Toots thinks that the dude keeps driver's licenses as trophies. Stacia didn't resist and he gets off on the violence. That's why he hit her. He probably would have killed Francesca if it wasn't for that car coming by. Huang wants to talk with Marcosi to see if he fits the profile. Because they're like, hey, is Marcosi the guy? And Huang's like, I should probably talk to him first. Yeah. So in the interrogation room, Huang is chatting with old Marcosi. Marcosi says ever since he was a little kid, he's always wanted to be a detective. He says he gets a real rush when he collars somebody. The same kind of rush he gets when a woman hits on him. It's like a game. Will she? Won't she? Huang asks him what he does when the woman says no. And Marcosi's like, plenty of fish in the sea. Huang asks him what he does when he meets a woman when he's on duty. He says he knows he's not supposed to, but it's not his fault to all the women come to the police station looking for him. That does not happen. No. And Sorry. also, this is like the most pathetic skirting responsibility fucking excuse. I know. It's not my fault. Wong tells him he must be frustrated because he pulls so many collars, but they won't let him be a detective. And Marcosi says, you know what's really frustrating? Is that everyone is so concerned with my personal life. Your personal life is, again, getting fucking blowies in your cop car. Yeah. That's not your personal life. That's, you're on, yeah. Wong says... You can't make detective. You break a few rules. You can't get a woman to sleep with you. What do you do? Marcosi's like, I didn't fucking do shit. I don't, quote, need to rape, which is such a weird thing to say. But I think it's a, that right there made me go, okay, he's innocent because that tells me just dialogue wise, not in reality, but dialogue wise, that tells me he doesn't understand the true motivation for for rape. rape yeah. You know, See, it was after he said this that I thought. Like when he says, he's like, I'll, I'll stand in a fucking lineup. I just want to clear myself. Mm. And that's when I was like, Marcosi sucks. He didn't do it. You can tell Wong knows it too. Oh yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cut to the street outside of Francesca's house. Toots and Benson pull up, but there's a big group of people and they're like, you're all too late. Another cop got her in his car. And they're like, what? They're like, yeah, she was screaming and I thought she was going to claw his face off, <sighs> yelling that he raped her. And they were like, oh my God, he came back and got her. Yeah. And because he's dressed like a cop, he can just do that in front of all these people in the middle of the fucking day. It's crazy. Right. There's like zero questioning cops. So the woman that was reporting to them and she's like, oh, she was fighting him and like, oh, he raped me. Oh, and she rolled her eyes about it. Mm-hmm. I, know. I was like, you stupid bitch. But then again, like, go home, Carol. Would you have just been like, oh, it's crazy lady. I don't know. We're in Craigan's office now. Toots tells Craigan that the perp must have seen the news stories and picked up Francesca. So the neighbors outside of Francesca's house said it was a dark sedan with a red light on the dash. Hmm? Long thinks that SVU has a minute to find her because he thinks that the perp didn't kill her in the apartment because he wants the thrill of arresting her. So he's going to keep her for a while until he gets tired of her. But they need to find her like now. IAB guy says that no cops were called anywhere near Francesca's apartment. Olivia takes a deep, deep breath and she's like, maybe Toots is right. Maybe it's not a cop. She thinks it could be some schmuck playing dress up. Ted Bundy used a badge to pull over women, mm-hmm. you know? Wong says that the men who pretend to be cops do it for the same reason they rape and kill. It's a confidence booster and a need for power. And it's also the perfect disguise. No one will think a cop will pull you over and rape you. And Francesca's neighbors didn't think twice when they saw this dude take her away. It also explains why he had no partner in the car with him, which was a good Mm -hmm. point. I didn't even think of that. Toots brings up the night Paula was killed. Remember, she's the first victim. Okay. Oh, that's right. Marcosi saw Erzi drive towards them when he was under the bridge on a quote date. So I'm like, oh, my God, it's him. Mm-hmm. It's yep. So me and you are on the same yeah, page. I was still here going, oh, we are we are yeah. getting down to it. Now we just got to get back to Erzy. We got to find mm-hmm. him. Yep. On the street, Benson and Stabler are talking to Marcosi and he's like, he goes like, oh, get away. Oh. <laughs> like, he's, <laughs> he's all mad because he's doing desk uh, duty because of them. And you're like, no, you're doing desk duty because you fucking are being interrogated for IAB for banging a uh, sex worker in an office in exchange to get her fucking shit dropped. Right. Whatever. Your fault. And then Benson's like, dude, you're lucky you have your job. You made yourself look shitty. <laughs> and Benson's like, you would have done the exact same thing. And we need your help because the perp grabbed his previous victim, Francesca. And he kind of stops and he was like, oh, Jesus. And he's like, you wasted your fucking time accusing me. And they're like, we know, but like, be mad at us, not her. Don't let her die. And he says, quote, that's on you. Go to hell and walks off. Ugh. I'm like, I'm like really into this episode. So I, I feel like I'm being dramatic when I'm talking. But. You're very intense. And I also felt that way in the music. Oh, the music. In the squad room, the IAB guy rules out a file of dudes who have cop stuff but aren't cops they have the stuff but they don't use it tooth says that you can't buy uniforms without department id so maybe it's the vendor like mm-hmm. the person selling cop uniforms mm-hmm. iab keeps a tight watch on any vendors in the area that have nypd stuff but he'll make a quick call anyway whoop yeah and i'm like oh my god it's fucking urzy you guys like why aren't you chasing after him i know why haven't you spoken to him again yeah so this guy calls in a literal heartbeat uh-huh. and says two of three stores were closed down for being caught selling NYPD gear to anyone. The third is open, but on probation mm-hmm. over at O'Keefe's uniforms. Of course it's called O'Keefe's uniforms, right? It doubles as a cop bar as well. Yeah. Down at O'Keefe's uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> Have a drink. <laughs> Come and get your badge and your gun and your pint of Guinness. <laughs> 
Toots and Benson are going hard on the store owner or manager, whoever this dude is. Whoever he is, he's fucking Woody Harrelson's dad. Uh, he's, <laughs> uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's a thing that you'll get the reference to because you've watched fucking True Detective like 9,000 times. They share that hat. <laughs> Woody gets it like Monday through Thursday and his dad gets it the rest. <laughs> so this guy's... <laughs> So this guy says he's always checked ID. Everything sold over the counter is legit, but maybe some of the mailing list dudes aren't. Well, that's sketch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Benson wants that list in the sales records for the last six months. And I love how she's just like, he like looks at her and she's like, go now. Somebody's missing. He's like, oh, yeah. Right. In the squad room, a few of these guys from the list already showed up. The ones from the files that the IAB dude brought in. They're going to have a hard time sifting through this. And they don't have time for it because Francesca could be dead by then. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, here comes Marcosi, full uniform, mm -hmm. tiny half turtleneck with mm -hmm. NYPD on it. This mm -hmm. guy is dying to be called a turtle. Mm -hmm. He's, He's like, I turtles. won't. I came here for you to call me a turtle and I won't leave until you call me a turtle. <laughs> In animal cartoon alternate universe only turtles wear turtlenecks and it's not because turtle turtleneck it's because it's the only animal that looks good in a turtleneck yeah you're not gonna put a giraffe in a fucking turtleneck you're not gonna put a hedgehog in a turtleneck oh cute i know <laughs> oh. marcosi says you were gonna ask me if i was sure it was urzi who rolled up on me that night Right? The car wasn't Erzy's, but I did write down a partial license plate number to check against Erzy's at the precinct. It wasn't his. <gasps> what? Then I'm like, <gasps> tricky. Mm -hmm. They're like, we got to run that number. And he's like, boop, already did. It's not even a department vehicle. There's only one car like that in the city, and it's registered to a Jeffrey Trapani. Mm hmm. Who's Jeffrey Trapani? A dude that lives right near the crime scene. Benson goes through the files from the store and there's a Jeffrey Trapper. One red dash light and a set of uni blues. Marcosi said that Jeffrey was in jail for burglary about six months ago. He actually said about half a year ago. And I was like, yeah. nobody says that. That's, that's not a that's sentence. That's why I typed six months ago. I was like, no, Marcosi. What? <laughs> he was, he got out, he got out of jail. He was in jail for burglary about two, three months ago. Three plus three months ago. How do you <laughs> What's another weird way to say that? <laughs> three plus three months ago, he got out of jail. Four months and two months. He got out of jail 24 hours times 180 days ago, <laughs> equaling a number of months, equaling half a year, six months. They're like, we don't have time. I, I, think, he got, I think he got out about five months plus one more month. <laughs> I don't know what that is. It sounds like people who have children, they're like, he's 24 months. And you're like, he's two years old. He got out of jail 180 sleeps ago. <laughs> it was probably like three fortnights ago. I'm guessing that it was a full pregnancy minus a trimester ago. <laughs> uh, okay. Right. Are we done? Yeah, I think, we I think we're done. Yeah. Benson and Stabler are like, you did the right thing, buddy. And they take off. And Marcosi watches them walk out, and he's super proud of himself. He's like, yeah, I did. Like, that's how you get in with detectives, at least. Yeah. It, try doing something like that. Yeah. If you're not just trying to do the right thing, at least do the thing that's going to better your career. You mm -hmm. dumb dick. Oh, my God. So now we're at the Trapani apartment or Trapper, whatever the fuck. I'm calling him Trapani. Mm -hmm. Fucking... SWAT uses Stabler's ass to break down the door. 
it's the and only t- appearance he makes. <laughs> yeah. And tiny baby mustache cop is back. He's the oh, one from the- Yeah. Yeah, with his with his little World War II helmet. Yes. Yeah. He gets there's Oh my god. The way they file in is yeah. It's the best. The first Gabe sent me a little clip of it. And my favorite is the first guy who like uh, bumps the door open really hard and mm-hmm. hits his shoulder back and he's like mad at the door. <laughs> and as they bust in, there's this intense techno y cop music. It's like beep boop boop beep boop boop beep boop 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 beep boop 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 All right, so the apartment's clear. <laughs> Uh, Benson finds the blood splatter on the bed. So they were there. No cop gear has been found so far. Out on the street, Craig and Cabot are there. Part of Trapani's work release is with the parks department. So he's probably there. And they like don't know what to do. Craig can keep someone at the apartment to see if Trapani comes back and sends Toots and Benson to the park to arrest him. They're all these four. Okay. Toots, Benson, Craig and Cabot. The frame is so tight and on the four of them and their heads... They're all, if there was like a, like a playground kickball in the middle of all four of them, they would all be able to hold it with their faces. That's how close <laughs> they were talking not to each other. They were all talking very close. <laughs> I might be imagining how close it was, but it was just hot breath. They were all eating a, a large burrito tortilla together. <laughs> in the meat in the middle. <laughs> oh, and he's, IEB guy's like, I gotta save a little piece for my little pepper hamster or whatever. <laughs> So Munch and Toots go to the park and they see him. They very conspicuously sit on a park bench like 10 feet away from him and just stare at him. They sit down in unison, not like two normal people sitting down to read a paper. Yeah. But like two robot cops, two robo cops, two Sylvester Stallones. Yeah. Toots is holding a paper in his hand. To sit down and stare forward. Yeah. And then Toots is like, look at him stab that stuff. <laughs> He says it so. I know. But for real, though, the dude was stabbing trash so hard, like his cheeks were jiggling, you know? <laughs> Benson picks up her cell and, and Toots says, who are you calling? Which I thought was funny. It was like, mind your shit, shut up. And Benson completely doesn't answer him at all. No, doesn't she, even flinch. She's like, shut up. She calls Munch and tells him to tell Cabot and Craig and that Trapani's not there. She's lying to Munch. And Toots is like, you know, if we get caught, we're going to be back on our blues. Uh-huh. She's like, yeah, but if we don't try Francesca, we'll die. And then Toots is like... You don't know somebody till you work with them. And she would her a little smile. And I was like, oh, they love each other. Okay, yeah, so remember that thing we always send each other with the every year? I think it's in October when the orderly thing, the orderly thing where he's like, Ugh. yeah, like the way the guy took off his vest and threw it into like angry, threw it into his bag to leave work was like the exact same feeling. Oh, my God. I have to go back and you watch have it. To. I didn't notice because he was like, hey, he was stabbing that stuff. And then he was like, <laughs> The way he was the best, the best through in this scene was Toots because you just hear him voicing over this guy and you see the stabbing and he's like, look at him stab that stuff. And then Benson goes to make the phone call and he's like, who are you calling? And it's like, are you the most annoying little brother? <laughs> yes. Can I have some of that juice box? Like, shut no, up. shut up. <laughs> Get out of my room. Shut the door all the way. <laughs> Mom! <laughs> <laughs> you both said that at the same time. That was cute. Yeah, we um, have siblings. Yeah. So they fucking follow Trapani to a cop bar. Of course he's drinking there. The music is... It's like weird, sexy cop whammy bar guitar shit. <laughs> like, yeah. It's very sexy in the early afternoon. Yeah, it's like someone's about to deliver a pizza, but no one can afford it, so they have to fuck type of music. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and you're like, here? It was. It was police porn music. <laughs> yeah. Benson and Toots start talking about cop shit in front of him. Toots orders them two beers. Yeah, Fill them toot- halfway, my guy. <laughs> yeah. Not like one beer and we'll split it. That half beer shit is like this, the half a year, the six months thing. Uh, you know, they're talking about what's happening down at the 2-2 and they're like talking loud so he can hear him. They're talking about how Francesca is probably dead because she's too high risk to keep around and you kind of see Trapani's head move. He's definitely listening. He turns his head like a fucking cartoon villain. He puts like a white gloved hand behind his ear and shoves an old timey ear trumpet in there. You know, those, <laughs> like, a little so satellite listen. comes out or whatever. It's like... <laughs> It's like curly. He takes the top of his ear and he stretches it out to make like a very big. (laughs) Oh my god! I was going to say that. I just—he's listening, guys. Yeah, he's listening. Toots tells Benson he's got a friend on the down low that says they're getting real close to figuring out who it is. Mm -hmm. Trapani fucking gets up and leaves. Toots is like, if Francesca isn't the next stop, we got to grab him. Mm -hmm. They follow Trapani to some old building. You can hear Francesca yelling on the other side of a set of double doors. They fucking kick it open, and she's tied up to this gross mattress on the ground. Oh, completely nude. I know. Completely nude except for her underwear. Trapani's standing over in a police uniform. They get him to the ground, and Toots ungags Francesca. There's a ton of license plates taped to the wall behind her. I paused it. 25. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Olivia cuffs him. I didn't even think I'm counting it. Yeah, Olivia cuffs him and is in just just in general like giving him shit. She's like, "You're no cop," <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. She slammed those cuffs on him the whole mm-hmm. time. She's talking shit. She's like, yeah. "Oh, you think you're a good cop? <laughs> Look how easy we found you. We followed yeah. you right here. Stupid. Yeah. We were at the bar. Yeah. We were acting. <laughs> <laughs> we're good. <laughs> okay. We did West Side Story together. We can feel each other." <laughs> Our emotions were connected. What's his name? John. Fuck. I, oh, Jacob Jinglehanger Schmidt. <laughs> no. no acting. What's his fucking oh, name? Oh God. Yeah, I love him. The critic. Yeah. His name is John Lovitz. John. Yeah. Lo- John Lovitz <laughs> enters the scene. Acting. <laughs> I'm also a detective. Yep. <laughs> I'm Toots. so glad I was able to get that in. <laughs> Toots helps Francesca up gent- like very gently and he's using his jacket to cover her and I was like mm-hmm. oh. and that's the end this was a wild ride yeah what'd you think of this episode um it was no prodigy but it's hard it was- to follow it's hard to follow up follow yeah, prodigy that, that was my favorite this was good I felt like um I felt like just like switching to this guy at the end was there was nothing that got me there it was just like popped up you yeah. know wait no it's a different guy which is great for keeping you on your toes, you know, because they had us believing that it was Urzi or whatever for so long. Yeah. It was definitely, like, not in the normal, like, four or five different ways that SVU works. Yeah. Where you're like... Well, because it didn't give me the satisfaction of, like, oh, I'm so glad we got that guy. I'm like, who are you? Yeah. Like, I had to go back and watch it again to see if I missed like something. He, yeah, if he, like, I don't know, was a trash guy behind them that, like... Or something. Because usually they, like, show up somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. I don't know. Anyway, let's let's do the chaser. Boom. On the evening of December twenty seventh, nineteen eighty six, 
20-year-old Kara Knott called home to let her parents know she was about to get in her car to drive home. She'd been hanging with her boyfriend in Escondido, California. The trip back to El Cajon wouldn't take her long in her white 1968 VW Bug. It was only about a 45-minute drive. Kara never made it there. Her family immediately reported her missing and started the search for her. It didn't take long for her brother to find her car the next morning. It had been abandoned on a frontage road near a bridge below I-13 at Mercy Road. Soon thereafter, while her father Sam Knott was there helping search, police found Kara's body. She'd been strangled and dumped over the bridge, falling the 75 feet to the dry creek bed below. Kara's boyfriend, obviously the first suspect, was quickly cleared. She had no known enemies. It seemed that she had been in the wrong place at the wrong time. Somebody was opportunity killing. Okay. Okay? Yeah. News spread People were scared. So two days after Kara's death, the local station KCST-TV was covering her murder and had one of their reporters interview a CHP cop in a ride-along segment to talk about women's safety and female driver safety. The seasoned cop was 38-year-old Officer Craig Pyre. Like I said, the main point of the interview was focusing on self-protection for solo female drivers. But hang on a second. Officer Pyre had some pretty decent scratches on his face during the segment. When asked about the scratches, he said that he had fallen against a chain link fence in the CHP parking lot. After it aired, over 20 women contacted police to make reports very similar to one another. Turns out, Officer Craig Pyre had made a practice of pulling over young women in this very area. He would detain them for long periods of time, like a fucking hour sometimes. He would ask them personal questions, touch them unnecessarily, petting their hair and rubbing their shoulders. He would ask them on dates. And more often than not, he did not have a legitimate reason for pulling them over. Also, police came to realize that these women looked an awful lot like Kara Knott. Within a week, homicide investigators honed in soups hard on clean-ass record-having 13-year CHP vet Officer Pyre. So the last reported sighting of Kara Knott was at a Chevron gas station. Mm -hmm. When she pulled out, the station attendant saw a CHP patrol car make a U-turn and follow Kara's vehicle. Mm -hmm. Another witness recalls seeing a CHP patrol car pulling over a white VW bug about two miles up the road from the gas station. And yet another witness was an off-duty San Diego cop who later that evening saw Pyre driving at high speeds, looking like messy shit, all scratched up. He noted seeing these scratches. And then when he heard Pyre's excuse for it, he was like, I saw him an hour before he claimed to have gotten those scratches. Yeah. So. I haven't heard this before, I don't think. Oh, Well, I'm riveted. Well, it sounds pretty cleaned up. Pyre had an alibi. His logbook stated that he had issued tickets in a completely different area the night of Kara's murder. Mm. Whoop, whoop, never mind. The ticketed drivers disputed his claims and they actually listened to them, which is weird to me that it was like, I'm just going to write down that I pulled these people over and gave them tickets when he really didn't yeah. and people other people had to like account for their whereabouts and could easily do that yeah like they weren't going to follow up on it i don't know i mean you're abusing your power you're used to getting away with whatever you want you're not going to come up with good shit because you're used to people just like taking you at your word you know because right, you're a cop and you're supposed to be trusted and stuff i read somewhere that his his wife or maybe one of his he was it was he was on a third marriage but one of his ex-wives i think was like as soon as he started with chp he 
became a real power proud asshole. Gross. So just like in our episode, there was incredible physical evidence. There were gold fibers found on Kara's dress that came from the shoulder patch of Pyre's uniform. Remember in the episode, mm-hmm. it was the fibers, the blue yeah. pants. A rope found in the trunk of Pyre's patrol car matched the marks on Kara's neck. Also, there was a drop of blood on one of Kara's boots. Now, this was before DNA evidence, yeah. okay? But they type-checked it. It was AB negative, which is the rarest type of blood a person can have. Only 1% of the population has AB negative blood. Really? Want to guess what Pyre's blood type was? Was it like O positive or something? <laughs> AB. <laughs> no, actually, it was AB negative. Wild. Craig Pyre was arrested and charged with murder on January 15th, 1987. Mm-hmm. And was fired from the CHP in May, which I'm sure was just a paperwork thing. It's not like he worked for five months. Right. (laughs) Where they're like, you know what? You can stay on. Give your notice. Paid vacation. The first trial ended in February of 1988 with a hung jury. Seven to five for conviction. On his second trial, they were like, no. And was convicted of first degree murder. Yeah. Judge Richard Huffman, who oversaw both trials, told the CHP that they got to hold some of the responsibility for Kara's death for failing to act when a complaint came in about his behavior a month before Kara's murder. What was the complaint, though? Like, what? who was it from? It was about how he was pulling over women unjustly and, and harassing them. Yeah. I read this other article. So there was this other article from someone who had been pulled over by him. Mm-hmm. But she was raised, I think she was raised by a cop. I wish I would have taken a note of it now. But she just remembers her dad saying, there is no reason on a regular traffic stop that a cop should ever ask you to get out of your car. And if they do, you say no. <gasps> and she was like, what? So that's she like gets my Nebraska over. shit, man. Like, that's weird. Yes. Oh, my God. So she gets pulled over and it was Officer Craig Pyre. She she found out later after she like saw this shit on the news and she's like, oh, my God, that was the fucking cop that pulled me over. Mm-hmm. He pulled her over and he was like chatting her up and she's like, why am I here? Like what? He wouldn't tell her. He was asking her all these personal questions. And then he goes, I'm going to need you to get out of the car. And she said, why? And he's like, oh, excuse me. Get out. I'm a police because I said Person, so. man, yeah. get out of the car. And she said, my father served da 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 and told me never to get out of the car when I, whatever. And this guy completely did a 180, changed his tune and was like, well, your taillight was flickering. So you should probably get that checked mm-hmm. and left. Yeah. And then she found out like, you know, however long later that he murdered a girl. Oh my God. That's so fucking anyway, scary. Ugh. I know. The judge is all pissed at the CHP because he's like, you guys aren't fucking following up. You're not holding these guys fucking accountable. And here we are. The judge says, I can't fix anything. I can only punish before sentencing Pyre to 25 years to life. Mm -hmm. In 2004, when DNA evidence was being used regularly in forensics, Pyre was asked to contribute a sample. See, he had always maintained his innocence. So by 2004, with the help of a San Diego County exoneration program, DNA could clear him. This guy keeps going in for appeals and shit. And this could be the thing that would get him out. He refused to do the DNA test. Of course, of course. That same year, he had a parole hearing. When they asked him why he wouldn't give a sample, they're like, why wouldn't you give a sample if it meant you could be cleared of the charges? Mm -hmm. And he just declined to answer. So they denied his parole. Mm -hmm. The committee rightly felt that it was ridic of this dude Mm -hmm. because he had no remorse. He maintained his innocence, but refused to clear himself and had no explanation as to why. 
I mean, we all obviously know. So he was again denied parole in 2008, in 2012. And then that year in 2012, they gave him a 15-year denial. Like, guy, we're sick of your face. Your tune doesn't change. Don't come back until 2027. Mm -hmm. 25 to life. Now he's beyond the 25. Mm -hmm. So this guy's sitting in prison, right? Mm -hmm. But there's this huge uproar in 2020 because there was talk of him being released early due to COVID-19. I don't know how much they had really considered it. Everything I read, they weren't even considering it. They're like, no, he's fucking dangerous. We wouldn't release him. We were releasing nonviolent offenders and whatever. Paul Finkst, the prosecutor of the case, had this to say at the time when everybody was like, oh my God, COVID and he's going to get out. He said, quote, he committed a betrayal of trust that's unmatched in San Diego history at my judgment. If we don't have room for him in prison because of a risk that he might catch a disease that all of us have a risk to catch, I think that would be a grievous mistake. Mm -hmm. So he's still in prison and he's not eligible for parole until 2027, which I believe he would be 77 Hmm. by that time. Hmm. Had he assaulted any other women? Like a bunch, but, but they, the only, had he, raped any other women or anything or i don't know there were complaints by other women there were no rape charges how long was he on the ch whatever was it called again the chp the california highway patrol how long was he on the chp for 13 years oh my god so you've been doing that shit to women for like 13 years and then finally killed Uh uh-huh i mean i dove deep and I was like, I wonder if he's killed other people or if that was like a thing that went too far and that because he did not cover his tracks very well. Mm -hmm. So it's, I don't think it was something that he had been doing, but I think it went further than he could handle in whatever way that he had been handling it. That Nebraska was a highway patrol guy. Well, obviously because it was on the highway. Mm. It's crazy. I almost got killed, right? I don't know. I don't want to think about it. So that's it. Jeez. How old was she again? Like 19? 20. 20? Next week, it's season three, episode 15, Execution. A serial killer is scheduled to be executed in three days. Stabler and Huang work together to determine if he was responsible for the rape and murder of a young woman in order to give her parents closure. I bet you this is fucking good. I bet they find out it wasn't him and he's been falsely accused. It's Erzy. It's Erzy. Erzy's like, I'm a good dude, you guys. We'll see about that. Anybody want a long john? Turtle? I'll buy a cup at Dave's Cafe. Follow us on all social media at SVU Pod. Check out our website, SVUPod.com. Join our Facebook group, SVU Pod Elite Squad. Yeah, it's fucking, I love, everybody's so funny. Gabe loves it. I love it. Yeah, I love it too. Gabe's just very, um, she loves a Facebook group. Mm-hmm, I do. Yeah. Check out our Patreon. Yeah. We've got extra episodes and friendship boats and garbage cookies and all that stuff. Go check it out. Mm-hmm. Patreon.com slash SVU Pod. Yeah, we had a Christmas party, like a Zoom Christmas party with our elite squad, and it was so fun. We do things like that. It's fun. We do things like that. We do. It's like, fun. <laughs> I do want to do more interactive, fun stuff. Yeah. I don't want to, like, suck our dicks about the Patreon, but it's so fun. It's so- <laughs> it is. It's great. I feel like we do a lot of stuff, and I want to do more I stuff. I don't want to scrote hammock about our Patreon, but <laughs> I like how you laughed at, like, that. That was... <laughs> All right, that's it. Love you, bye. Bye. Say it. Love you, bye. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 
And thanks to our Elite Squad patrons, Haley K, Sonia W, Jenny S, Sky K, Nikki B, Marissa M, Elkie H, Sarah A, Annie G, Mary D, Andrew, Rebecca D, Miranda B, Shelby W, Lex, Emily T, Kayla W, Mallory G, Eliza W, Bonita R, Marin, Uyunga, Vanessa, Amy P, Jess M, Summer M, Melanie G, Courtney W, Ursula S, Emily A, Katrina C, and Kate H. We love and appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for joining our Patreon and making it possible for us to do this. Elite Squad! Boo, boo, boo! Pew, pew! <laughs> what? <laughs> That's how I look at her and it looks weird. <laughs>